What a good day so far. So good to be here this morning. Whew. Praise you, God. Praise you, Lord. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for being here. Have you ever thought about it? I'm sure you have. You don't have to come on a Sunday morning, right? You could sleep in and I have to be here on a Sunday morning. Let's... <laughs> but I want you to know we love you. I think it's important that I say that to you. We love you. We love that you're here. I love you. The pastors love you. The leadership team, they love you. We're all so proud of you. We're honored to be here partnering with you. It's a privilege. God is doing something in our midst. I'm fully confident of that. So for those of you that have been here the last couple of weeks, what are we walking through? Anyone remember? Elijah. Not Alicia. I love the Alicias of the world, but we're not going through Alicia. It's Elijah. So two weeks ago, we talked about, anyone remember? Killing the cows, burning the... Yeah, there you go. And last week we talked about digging a ditch. Today we're going to be looking for some jars. Today my prayer is that the message would minister to everyone, but specifically, especially, I believe... It's going to speak to those of you who are feeling overwhelmed. Like there's just too much going on. Where you don't feel like you have enough energy. Where you feel like you don't have enough money. Maybe you don't feel like you have enough time. Some of you, maybe you don't feel like you have enough faith. I'm praying that today's message would build your faith. Minister to you in your time of need. There are some serious needs out there. I mentioned just during worship a little bit. But this past year I've had... Dozens upon dozens of conversations with people reminding me just how real the needs are and often how real the pain is that accompanies the need. I've talked to you and there's some of you that are desperate in your financial dilemma, being so far into a financial hole that you see no way way out. And the pain that you feel is both real, but it's also a constant pain. It never leaves you. I remember talking to a single dad. He was doing a full-time job trying to make ends meet for him and his kids, felt like there was just too much and there wasn't enough help. He has a real and constant need, the, the real constant pain even of not knowing how he can possibly do it all or make it all. The conversation, another one I had last year with a 14-year-old boy. He was in agony over his parents' divorce. You could tell there was this tension of which side am I going to pick? Am I going to be on her side? I'm going to be on his side. And I asked him questions about it all. And he couldn't even answer the questions without his lip beginning to quiver and tears beginning to go down his eyes because the emotional stress was simply too much for him to handle. If you find yourself today on empty, if you feel like there's just too much in one area or another, it's my prayer that God would use today's story to minister to you in a deep and life-changing way. I believe that God can meet you in your greatest, greatest need today. So we're going to dive into our text. Anyone, we're in 2 Kings. If you have your Bible, open it up. We're going to be in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. But as you find that, I would actually like us to bow our heads and pray. God, we thank you so much for today. I thank you that you're with us in the midst of the storm. I thank you that uh, the seas, they, they have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up the crashing thunder in our lives, but God, you are mightier than the seas. You are mightier than the storm. You are mightier than the waves. 
I love that you are mightier today. In our time of need, God, I pray that you would be mightier than everything else. Reveal yourself to us today. In your name I pray. Amen. Okay, so this is a pretty good story. Here's how it starts. The wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elijah, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slave. Elijah replied to her, How can I help you? How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Your servant has nothing at all except a small jar of olive oil. Now, I want to look at these first two verses, and, and there's actually a lot in them. The first thing you're going to notice is we don't know who this poor widow is. We don't know who she is. Uh, according to Jewish tradition, many believe she's actually the wife of the prophet Obadiah. But we don't know that for sure. We don't know who she is. So you can picture this. We've got this widow. She's lost her husband. She's in terrible debt, and now she's going to lose her two sons. She's in a very devastating place. Can you picture yourself there for a moment? This is a tough place to be. She's lost her husband. The creditor has come, coming after her two sons. The law would say that if you can't pay your debts, then they can take your sons as slaves. And they'd be slaves until they're released in the year of Jubilee. So it's not getting much worse than this. Humanly speaking, she has no hope whatsoever. Can you picture that? Again, lost her husband, can't pay the bills. Now she's going to lose her two sons. doesn't get any worse than that. It's a serious problem. Now, in this room, we've got some serious problems, don't we? Some graduate-level problems. Your marriage, maybe it's barely hanging on. You don't know if you're going to make it. Someone that you love maybe just betrayed you, and they lied to you. And, and what you thought you had, you don't even know if you have it anymore. You've got a child, maybe they're going the wrong way. And you're mature enough to know that if they keep on going in that direction, down that road, they will end up in a place that you would never want them to be. And you are in such agony because you're watching someone that you love so much make decisions that are going to hurt them. Some of you, maybe you're in a financial situation, again, where you don't know how you're going to make it and get out of it. And there is such a stress, you feel strangled in this kind of financial agony. Others of you, it might be a health issue. You went to the doctor or, or, or someone that you love went to a doctor. And if it's not for a miracle of God, you don't know what's going to happen. You guys have graduate level problems. And if you're in significant need today, I want to give you the key thought for today's message. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. I believe God wants to speak this into our spirits to build our faith. I hope it blesses you as much as it's blessed me this week. It really has. When you don't have what you really want, you will discover that God is what you really need. I want to say it again. This is really important. When you don't have what you really want, you will discover that our good God is what you really need. Again, this has been speaking directly to me this week. The woman in the story, there's a significant need, and she expresses her need to the prophet. And what does the prophet do? Well, let me tell you what he doesn't do. He doesn't say, oh, man, that's a bad problem. It stinks to be you. He doesn't say that. And by the way, he also doesn't say, oh, that's bad. I'll be thinking of you. I hate that when people say, I'll be thinking about you or whatever. Don't think about me. What does that even mean? Don't think about, pray for me. Stop telling me you're going to think about me. Just pray for me. Do something that's actually going to work. Thinking won't do anything. It's just wasting, you know, brain cells. Pray for me. Do something that works. Elijah, he does something that works. He does something significant. Look at what he does. He, he makes himself available to her. 
We see this in verse 2 of 2 Kings chapter 4. Elijah replied to her. And what does he say? Let's say it aloud. Elijah replied. He said these five words. He said, how can I help you? You want to make a difference in this world? You want to be filled with joy? You start every day saying, God, I am available as an ambassador of Christ. I am available as your divine representative. Anytime there is a need, even if I can't directly meet the need, I'm going to be a conduit to minister to that person. So when someone in your work, at your office says, I've got a problem, or I've got a migraine headache, or my husband is driving me crazy, or my kids are you know, taking me off the deep end, what you say is, how can I help you? You make yourself available just like Christ would. Then he says to her something, this is pretty profound. He says, tell me what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? And so he doesn't come in saying, I know all the answers. But he says, let's start with what you have. And let's see God meet your needs through what you have. She replies, your servant has what? Help everybody say it aloud. She says, your servant has nothing there at all. Isn't it interesting that when you're hurting and when you're lacking, all you can see is what you don't have. You miss all the blessings that you do have. This is going to speak to somebody because when we get down and when we get depressed and when we're hurting, I'm talking about myself, we are just consumed with what we don't have. Right? It's true. I don't have enough money, so I will never be happy. I don't have a spouse, so I can't really live that meaningful and significant life. I've heard people say, my house isn't nice enough or big enough to hold a life group. Because everybody knows that the Spirit of God cannot move unless it's a two-story house with granite kitchen countertops. It's not true. I don't have what I want, so my life, maybe it just doesn't matter. You know, I've known ladies, I'm not... Never one personally, but maybe you know one who walks into a closet and there are clothes everywhere. And what do they do? They touch them all. And what do they say? Help me out. I have nothing to wear. You have enough clothes to often open a costume shop. And yet you say, I have nothing to wear. We're focused on what we don't have. But you know, the lady in the story... I think we can all see she's in a serious situation, much more serious than not having any clothes to wear. It seems she's lost everything. She, she just doesn't have much at all. But it leads me to the question, what do you do when you don't have much? It's a good question. What do you do when you don't have much? If you're taking notes, write this down. God is going to speak to someone with this. First of all, you stop waiting for what you want and you start working with what you have. For some of you, this is a word straight from the Lord. He would tell you, stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. Every one of us in this room can do this with God's help. Second Kings 4.2, she says this. Or he says, what do you have in your house? She says, your servant has nothing there at all except... Everybody say it aloud. She said, except a small jar of olive oil. I don't have anything there at all. Oh, yeah, except this one little thing. Almost like an afterthought, right? But stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. And you might be thinking what's good is a little small jar of olive oil. It was actually pretty important back in the day, pretty valuable. You could do a lot of things with it. It was used in cooking. It was used to help the lamps burn. It was used as moisturizer, right? You didn't have uh, bath and body works back in the day. You could use it on your leather to make it pliable. You use it on iron to keep it from rusting. It was used as an offering to God, and it was used to anoint people in religious services. 
It was very valuable, but we can tell from the text she just didn't have a lot. She didn't have a lot. She only had a little. I am so thankful that we serve a God who specializes in doing a lot with a little. Amen? Amen. This is going to speak to somebody right now because we serve a God who is absolutely capable of doing a whole lot with just a little. All through Scripture, you're going to see this again and again. In the New Testament, Jesus, he was teaching to the thousands, right? And these people at the end of the lesson, they are hungry. And the disciples say, who is going to feed these thousands of people? And everybody's like, I don't have any food. I don't have any boy, any food. And this little boy, he comes up, right? And I can just hear him saying, he goes, I don't have a lot, but I got a little. I got five loaves and two fish. And in his hands, as he gave them to the Son of God... In God's hands, a little bit, fed the thousands. Do you remember what it said at the end of the story? There was how many basketfuls left? Twelve basketfuls left because we serve a God. They can do a lot with a little. In the Old Testament, there's this army. They, they are afraid of the Philistines because of one man, Goliath, who stood them down. And guess who God used? He used a little shepherd boy with a little stone. Took him down. Didn't he? He took him down. Do you remember? David? I, I just know that they were laughing at David. But he took that giant down. He said, who are you to be laughing at, the, at my God, right? He kind of took offense to it all. He says, everybody thinks you're too big to be. I think you're too big to miss. Everybody does. I'm taking this guy down. It's just a little boy with a little faith, with a little stone. And he killed that giant. God, one time, he tells to Moses, he says, what do you have in your hand, right? He says, and I'm just like, oh, I got a stick, right? Moses had a stick. He had a staff. All I got is a stick. But God uses that stick, he uses that staff to show the masses that God was with Moses. Some of you might be saying, I'm low on faith. All I have is a little. In the New Testament, Scripture is really clear. We serve a God who can do a lot with a little. If you just have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and you will have what you ask for. If you have just a little bit of faith, we serve a God who can do a lot with a little. Elijah says, what do you have in your house? What's in your house? Notice he didn't say, what do you want or what do you need? He says, what do you have? Let's stop waiting, church. Let's stop waiting for what we want and start working with what we have because God has given you everything you need to do everything that he has called you to do. Do you believe that? That's hard. Some of us don't feel that way. But if you can get to that place to believe that God has given you everything you need to do everything that he has called you to do, your life will take off. I just promise you, your influence, the effectiveness in the kingdom of God, it will shoot through the roof. Because as spirit-filled believers, we should be more confident of this than anyone else in the world. Jesus left this earth so he could send us who? The Holy Spirit, right? Jesus left to go be with his Father so the Holy Spirit could come. We have the deposit of the Holy Spirit within us. In the Holy Spirit, believer, spirit-filled believer, we have everything we need. Everything we need. To do what he has called us to do. Second Peter 1.3. This is, it tells you just as much. Listen to this. He says, as we know Jesus better, his divine power. Somebody say power. His power gives us everything we need for living a godly life. He has called us to receive his own glory and goodness. He's given us everything we need. And I've learned this principle so clearly here at LifeSpring. One thing a building, one thing to have our own building, it has been a conversation of life spring since its very beginning. 
It's been a point of discussion. Yet Pastor Chad, he never let the absence of us owning our own building stop him from obediently following hard after God. I love that about Pastor Chad. Bless Pastor Chad for that. He never let it be a hindrance to what God was doing through this church. And to tell a little bit more about that, I've invited uh, Ray Mayer to come up. So would you welcome Ray Mayer with me today? Morning. Um, he asked me because I've been here since the very beginning when uh, we were meeting at Northwest Church in the Fireside Room and there was like 12 of us. And it was like, we're going to go plant a church in Fife. And I went, okay, let's do this. So we wanted, what do you do? You go to a school, right? Well, the school wouldn't let us in. So the only thing we could find down there was the community center. And they charged us an arm and a leg, but we said, God, you're in this. That's where you're leading us. That's what we're going to do. So we faithfully went there, and uh, God showed up. In fact, I'll bet you there's a few people in here who probably visited us or was there at the community scene. Raise your hand. Look around. There's a few of us still, still left. And uh, it was a lot of work. We had to set up. We had to tear down. Everything we owned was in a trailer that we hauled back and forth every week, set up. But God showed up, and we saw a great growth. And then we thought, well, we, this is a lot of work. Let's find something else. Well, there was a Korean church down the road that we talked to and invited us. And, and uh, we have a building we didn't have to tear up, set down. They had a whole sanctuary. So we decided to go. The only caveat was it was a Saturday night. So we said, well, Saturday night, there's people, you know, might want to try it out so we made the change and in a way it it was good it was great because we had a good relationship with that the korean church but um it actually was good that we got to help them improve their building and through that the lord blessed us again the only problem was we had to get rid of the kimchi smell before we (laughs) had service is they had it was great big fellowship hall but uh, the Korean church does things a little different, more family-oriented based. So it wasn't really set up well. So we changed some classrooms, made it work. It was really good. But our attendance started going down because what we thought would be a blessing for having a building actually wasn't good because we were called for Sunday morning. We wanted to be a church. So we needed to find something to get back on Sunday morning. Well, we had tried the school district before. And they had had some bad experiences, so they always shot us down. But through just being who we were and having connections, people starting teachers and meeting some of the principals, um, we ended up moving up on top of the hill to um, Discovery Elementary School. But again, that meant we had to set up, tear down, bigger room, limited time, limited space. But God showed up, and it was really good. In fact... I know there's a few more of you people that came when we were there. And uh, it was really good. And then he said, it was just, it was so big, and it was, we only got it one day a week. We, I mean, we tried everything we could. We brought an espresso bar, everything, just to try to make it work there. God showed up, but it was still not there. And then Chad was like, we need a building that conducted. And he talked to the pastor here, and we're all like, no. 
Hope Church is two blocks away. It's another four-square church. What are we doing moving into their territory? But Daryl, their pastor there, came and said, it's great. We're not in competition. We're a brighter light to shine in this community. And so kind of reluctantly on a few of our parts, we said, okay, let's go for it. And we moved in here. And it's, uh, it's been awesome to see what's happened here because um, the closeness with the, the relationship with the Adventist Church here has been really good. It started off kind of slow, but it's been, it's been getting better and better. Um, Hope Foursquare. Uh, Daryl actually stepped down. They have a new pastor. And Tom over there, it's, it's awesome to see the relationship between uh, now Dan because Chad has moved on. Um, which is a whole nother story because Chad stepping over uh, over to uh, Eastern Washington has been. I, I watched him go from when he first started Life Spring and he was full of life and hope. Kind of it wore on him being here, but the Lord used him. But now he, I've seen him go back over there, and it's like there's a Chad I knew when he first planted the church, and all of that to say, it's really where are we? What are we doing? And uh, the Lord's come to us. And I'll, I'll, I, my last thing is, is he just wandering in your house? Or are you inviting him in and giving him what you've got? So, and it's, that's all i got to say. Thank you. Felt really good having you up here, by the way, bud. Just felt right. So, uh going to leave it at that. So I don't know how today's going to speak to you, but some of you, you're going to be looking at what you, what you have, and you're going to say, I wish I had something more, or something else, so I could do something more significant. You ever think that way? That's the attitude of the thought that many people have, and God would say, no, stop waiting for what you want, start working with what you have, whether it's a community center or a Korean church, or a school, or a Seventh-day Adventist building, do what God has called you to do. In the 12 years of Life Spring Church, God has been on the move. Good things have happened. Eternal things have happened. But it was because we didn't wait for what we wanted, but we worked with what we had. Sometimes the behind-the-scenes person gets a bad rap. Have you noticed that? The outgoing, charismatic person is always pushing the shyer, less outgoing person to be louder, to be more upfront, to be charismatic, to be more like them, right? Any behind-the-scenes person ever feel that way? Come on, you know I've made you uncomfortable. You bet. That pressure. But you know, I think Jesus would say it's the behind-the-scenes people that are the most important. Jesus says that the servant is the greatest of all. Paul says every part in the body is needed. The part that seems weaker, no. He says no. He says they are, he says, he says they are indispensable. Those parts that we treat with less honor, he goes, get out. No. He says those are the parts that we treat with what? Special honor. Every part is needed. We desperately need each other. And we all have a part to play in the body of Christ. But the behind-the-scenes person, they can begin to start feeling that pressure, right? It might be, might be feeling like they're doing less than, less than what God has called them to do. So they start to begin to want something else. When all the time, God is just calling them to be faithful, do the important assignment that God has given you to do. There might be a guy in here, and, and you're not making that six-figure income. 
And you're like, man, I'm just not a good provider. God would say to you, hey, you're home six nights a week with your kids. That's important. Stop stop working for what you want and start working with what you have. Gentlemen, listen, the most important thing in your life might not be getting a raise, but instead who you raise. And when you're a man of God to your children, you are a huge success. A success. Stop waiting for what you want. Start working with what you have. Maybe you're single. And you're like, I, I just don't make enough money to attract a good wife. I don't have the kind of car that a woman would want. I can't buy the kind of clothes that a woman would want. Listen, if you find a woman that loves Jesus, you find her and you lay down your life to serve her. You don't need material things to make a godly woman happy. Amen? If you're a single woman who just said amen, and if you're a single guy who loves Jesus, can you guys just please figure it out? I was just talking this week. I want to do a wedding. (laughs) Who knows what might happen in our church and in our nursery if we stop waiting for what we want and start working with what we have. (laughs) All right. So second thing. Second thing that we do when we don't have much. Is that we're going to offer God what we have and trust Him to give us what we need. Offer God what you have, trust Him to give you what you need. Watch this. It comes true in 2 Kings 4, verses 3 through 7. Elijah said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. So again, week one, burn the plows. Week two, dug the ditches. Week three, we're collecting jars. Go get empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your son's. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each one is filled, put it to one side. Now, what's going on here? Go, go get a bunch of jars. All you have is a little bit of oil. But if you trust God, if you pour out what you have, then put the jar aside. God will refill your jar, give you what you need, and you can just keep on pouring. Now, this isn't a magic trick. This wasn't some magic thing. This was actually happening. God is providing what she needs. When, when she has the faith to offer what she has, God gives her what she needs. This happens in verse 5. She, she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. Then they brought the jars to her. And as they kept on bringing the jars, what did she do? The Bible says, say it with me, she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But the, he replied, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. As long as there was an empty jar, God would fill it. But when there were no more jars, the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God. He said, pay attention, here's the good news. He said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. Your debts have been paid for. You and your sons can live on what is left. That's good news. See, when she offered what she had, which was just a little, this little jar of olive oil, God gave her everything she needed. Her debts have been paid for. And I hope you see and understand that this is a ridiculous request from Elijah. To ask her to empty out Everything, everything she has, and to trust God to provide what she really needed, it's ridiculous. But it's a miracle. It's a miracle. And this is how God works. When we show Him our faith, we get to see His faithfulness. This story has a personal implication for me and for our church more than I could ever describe. Because, you know, last year when I took over as senior pastor, we made a ridiculous decision of faith. 
A ridiculous decision that honestly has changed the course of our church. You see, when Pastor Chad left to take over the church in Clarkston, financially, we were stretched as a church. The bills were being paid, but there was literally no financial margin. It was month to month. Again, the bills were paid, but sometimes we had to get creative in how we paid them. Uh, Marcy Mayer, where's Marcy Mayer? Marcy Mayer is our bookkeeper. She is a bigger blessing to this church than any of us will ever understand. Hallelujah. And she made it work. She made it work. But when Pastor Chad left to Clarkston, see, he was leaving to go to a church in Clarkston that was in disarray. A church that most people had just given up on. Most people thought this church just needed to be closed. But God gave Pastor Chad and Yvonne a heart for that community. Gave them a passion for that church. And so they answered the call of God on their lives and they moved to Clarkston. But it would only be possible if we helped them and if we helped them financially. But again, we didn't have any extra resources. We were stretched. My biggest fear is that if we started to give to Clarkston, there was the real possibility that we would not be able to afford to continue. But here's what we did. We took everything we had, and just like the lady in the story, we began to pour it out. And we said, we're going to give, and we're going to give. And so one of the very first decisions that I made, along with my counsel, was to fully support Pastor Chad Navon for six months. This means that we paid his full-time salary for the first six months he was in Clarkston. It was a huge step of faith for us. It meant that I would remain at my associate pastor's salary for those six months. It limited my ability to be able to bring in an associate pastor to fill my role. It limited our ability to move forward and resource the vision that God had given us for this community. But after we decided to support Pastor Chad, as we began to pour out, God gave us what we needed. God gave us what we needed. This guy, he was living in Colorado Springs, Colorado. This redhead named Adam Henderson. He began to feel the call of God on his life. To move up to Seattle. To be a part of what God was doing here. So Adam, he came up. And uh, we were already given everything that we had. So he worked at the church for almost nothing. The only way he could make it work was if he and his brother Micah would live uh, with us. Because they didn't have any money, they couldn't afford to pay rent. So Mary and I, we invited them into our home. They lived in our spare bedroom for the first five, six months of them being here. In fact, Micah, his younger brother, he slept on the floor every night. Like no pad, nothing, just literally on the floor. You can still see his indent of his body where he was sleeping. Maybe someday when he has more money, he can replace that. So we offered God everything we had, everything that we had. And soon we realized we were in the midst of a miracle. God was giving us what we needed. In fact, he began to bless us, bless us in ways unimaginable. God began to fill jar after jar after jar. And so as we saw how God was blessing us as we gave to Clarkston, we felt God leading us to do even more. So once we had fulfilled our commitment to Pastor Chad, we made an eight-month commitment to Pastor Tom of Hope's Hope Foursquare down the road to his family to help them through their time of transition. Just this month, we started a four-month commitment to Pastor David Casey of the Tacoma Church Plant. One of you even gave him a flat-screen TV. This kind of stuff is unheard of. 
When I told our district what we were doing, their response, literally their response was, Pastor Dan, you are a freakish man of God. (laughs) So we are a freakish church of God. Hallelujah. It's turning heads. It's catching people's attention. You guys, you're sending kids to camp. You're sending evangelists to Ghana. You're sending Wycliffe missionaries, David and Shelly Midkiff, to Papua New Guinea. You sent missionary Will Hughes off with a huge check to help him in the Lord's work down in Patagonia. Who could forget the supernatural resourcing that Lane received for his foot washing ministry? The numbers are ridiculous. I just asked Marcy how many people have received salvation this year. 30 people have received accepted Jesus Christ for the first time as their Lord and Savior at this church this year. Hallelujah. 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 It's a ridiculous faith. And it's in the process of us offering God what we have that God has overwhelmed us by giving us what we need, which is ridiculous provision. Right? A ridiculous provision. In fact, in January, we brought Pastor Adam on full time as an associate pastor. At the same time, we began to give Pastor Randy, who was doing everything that he was doing just out of the goodness of his heart, we were finally able to give him a stipend for all that he does. Just think about these two guys alone. There's so much more going on in this church than them, but just think those two guys alone. It's amazing how much God has blessed us through these two men of faith, right? These guys, they fire me up. They're such an encouragement to me through their faithfulness and through their obedience. Jesus is on the move in this community. You can't even talk to these guys without getting some Jesus on you, right? They're so encouraging that they get us to get outside of the walls of this church, right? They, they get us to go into our workplace with Jesus, into our schools with Jesus, into our homes with Jesus. God is advancing his kingdom through these two men. We gave God what we had, and God gave us what we needed. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody get excited. Amen. Praise the Lord. And again, I don't know how this is going to speak to you, but at some point, when you take what you have and you stop waiting for what you want, but you allow God to work with what you have, God is going to do something special. Look at Elijah. He says, go get a bunch of jars. Get get the jars. Notice he didn't say what color, what size, what shape. What did he say? He said the only requirement of the jars is that they must be empty. Right? It could have been any kind of jar. Milk jug jug, peanut butter jar, whatever. Size, or size, shape, color, doesn't matter. It just needs to be empty. How does this apply to you? 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Powerful verse. It says, But we have this treasure, which is Christ, in jars of clay. In fact, read 2 Corinthians, the whole chapter 4. It's really good. Our treasure is in jars of clay. What's that referring to? Us. Our bodies. That's what we are. We're clay pots. We're earthen vessels. That's who we are. We have this treasure in jars of clay. So what is God looking for? He's looking for a few empty jars. I was, I was saying it in worship. But empty jars, that means we've got to empty ourselves of self. Got to empty ourselves of pride. Empty ourselves of greed. Empty ourselves of our own agendas, our own will, our own plans. We need to come to God totally empty. And when we come to Him totally empty, He fills us with oil. Anyone know what the oil represents? Yeah. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit. He fills us. And suddenly you realize when you don't have outwardly what you wanted, it's God that you needed. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you have Jesus inside you, you, you get it. That you finally have what you needed. And suddenly, He is enough. Suddenly, He is sufficient in every single way. He's all that you need. When you're weak, He is your strength. When you're hurting, He is your comforter. When you're lost, He's your guide. When you're hungry, He's the bread of life. When you're thirsty, He is the living water. And when your life is unstable, He is the rock. The rock that does not move. And someone came in to, today and, you, and you're empty. You're, you're lacking. And today, right now, you're going to look to Jesus. And He is going to become everything you need. Stop waiting for what you want. Start working with what you have. Offer God what you have. And trust Him. Trust Him to give you what you need. Because when you don't have what you really want, you'll discover that a good God is what you really need. Let's pray. Fill us, Lord. Even now, as empty jars, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Pour out your Spirit on this place. Build our faith. We pray that we would be different and changed in your presence. Come, Holy Spirit. As we pray this morning, for those of you that are hurting, those of you that are without, those of you that are on empty, those of you that are overwhelmed, I believe that God wants to reveal Himself to you today in a deeper and more intimate way. Maybe more than you've ever known before. Those of you that would say, I, I need prayer today, I've got a burden, I've got a challenge, I'm hurting, I'm empty. Those of you that would say, Pastor Dan, would you pray for me? I, I would be very honored to pray for you right now. Would you just lift up your hands right now? Yep, absolutely. Anybody else? Yep, absolutely. Go ahead and put your hands up. I'm going to pray for you. I pray right now, God, in this moment, come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, that you would fill these empty vessels. God, that your presence, right now, your presence would be exactly what we need. God, I pray for that supernatural peace that goes beyond our human ability to understand the things of this world. God, that you would be our divine comforter, that you would be our strength once again, that you would be the lifter of our heads, that you would be Jehovah Jireh, that great provider. God, I pray that you would build our faith, build our faith to offer to you, God, everything that we have, that you would build a faith that would trust you Trust you, God, that as we give you everything we have, you would give us everything that we need. Build our faith. Build each one that raised their hands. We'll just build our faith as we give to you. Show us once again that you are a God who is faithful. And as we keep on praying, nobody look around. I, I just want to pay care, careful attention right now. The imagery, I, I just talked about it. It's for every single one of us. I, I want you to think about this widow. Her story is your story. Her story is my story. She had this debt. It was impossible for her to repay. And all of us have a debt that is simply impossible to repay. It's called a sin debt. All of us, we sin against a holy God. We do not have the spiritual equity to make it right. We could never make it right on our own. That's why the gospel is what every person on this earth needs to experience. 
And it's why the gospel means good news. Our God in his love, our God in his mercy. While we were still sinners, he sent Jesus, the sinless son of God, who was born of a virgin, who lived the perfect life, who gave his life on this cross. He became sin for us. He died and he rose again on the third day so that anyone who calls on his name would be saved. Anyone? It includes every single one of us in this room. It doesn't matter what you've done, who you are, how good or bad you've ever been. Today, it's about emptying your life. Give it over to Him. Say, I give you my hurts. I give you my failures. I confess my sins before you. I empty myself of me and let Him fill you. Even right now, by your Holy Spirit, let Him fill you with Him. When you call on Him, He will hear your prayer. Even now, some of you, it's stirring within your heart. As you call on Him, He will hear your prayer. He will make you new. He will forgive every sin that you've ever committed. You will be filled with the Spirit, and your life will never be the same. And that is why many of you are here right now, and you know it. You know it. Within your very being right now, you know it. And those of you that would say, yes, I'm at the end of my rope, listen. When you don't have what you want, you're going to find out that Christ is everything that you need. Jesus Christ, and today by faith, call on Him. Say, I need you. Say, I need your forgiveness. Say, I need your grace. Today I give my life to you. And if that's the burden within your heart, if that's your prayer, would you lift your hands right now? I want to see you face to face. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. Yes. I see you in the back. Absolutely. I see you in the corner. Absolutely. Anybody else? If that's you, if that's your prayer, yes, put your hands down. That's beautiful. Nobody else looking around, but I, I just want to acknowledge you and bless you. I want to just, just pray for you even now, just with our eyes closed. And, and some of you, you're going to pray this for the first time, but others of you, if you just support them by saying this with them, pray this. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, forgive me. Change me. Make me new. I believe you died for me. And you rose again. So I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit. So I can follow you. For the rest of my life. Thank you for new life. My life is not my own. I give it to you. In Jesus name I pray. Amen.